0: Going Linux, episode 309, today's security technology. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co host, Bill.
0: Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
1: We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
0: In today's episode, we'll discuss today's security on Linux. Hey, Bill.
1: Hello, Larry. How are you?
0: Very, very good. How are you doing?
1: Uh, Another beautiful day in Southern California. I cannot say so much for the East Coast. So I hope all our friends over on the East Coast are not getting too badly beat up by Hurricane Matthew.
0: Right. And as you can tell, we record our podcast episodes in advance. And hopefully, by the time you hear this, Matthew is a. uh, a hurricane that's gone and no longer a threat. But right now, as we're recording this, it is doing some nasty things to the East Coast. So, best wishes to all our friends there. And hopefully, by the time you hear this, you've all made it through without a scratch.
1: Let's hope so. I hear it's a pretty big one. So, Larry, I have gotten ai overload lately
0: <laughs> so artificial intelligence is uh getting you down is it
1: no not getting down seems like everybody's racing for ai we got amazon echo google home ibm watson apple siri just to name a few of them it's like they're everywhere is that yeah is, is that how we're going now
0: I think so. The company I work for, Salesforce, I just spent a week in San Francisco, and one of the key things we were talking about is artificial intelligence, and <laughs> Salesforce calls it Einstein.
1: Oh, really? So yes. I missed one.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, and there are many more out there, that's for sure. So it's, it's the way we're going.
1: So now, instead of my dumb alarm clock waking me up, I'm going to have somebody say, Good morning, Bill. Time to get up, and I'm going to slap it against the wall just like I do my alarm clock. Perfect.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: What's so good about this morning? You know, I, I'd rather not have somebody tell me, why? You're in a bad mood. Would you like me to make a schedule a doctor's appointment for you to get your anger-aggression issues?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy if it would just schedule the coffee to come out, <laughs> come out of the machine on time.
1: Turn on the coffee maker. Actually... <laughs> Google Home apparently is going to have a little plugins that you can hook your coffee maker to. So it knows when you get up to turn on the coffee maker, which is not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But my luck, the, the morning I go stumbling down to get the coffee, I forgot to buy the coffee. <laughs> There's just hot water. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Could <laughs> you order yeah, the coffee and put it in the coffee maker?
0: Yeah, you still need human intelligence to make artificial intelligence work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. So Larry, I thought would be a today would be a great time to talk about just some basic Linux security issues and kinda compare it against what's out there right now because it changes so fast. Mm-hmm. So How how are we going to go about this? What do you think?
0: Well, we've written in some of the articles on our website things like this, and I'm going to read a paragraph. The Linux operating system is more secure and better supported than operating systems pre-installed on most home computer hardware today. Linux is backed by many large corporations as well as independent developers and users, many of whom are focused on ensuring and improving the security that's built into the operating system. The built-in updater provided by your Linux distribution provides security updates for both its software applications and the operating system. Vulnerabilities are patched more quickly and are delivered automatically and more frequently than the two most popular operating systems.
1: Linux is designed to make it difficult for viruses, rootkits, and malware to be installed and run without conscious intervention by you, the user. Linux users are not administrators by default. Administrators, that means the root users, on any computer system have permission to do anything they want, including damage to the system, which I've done more than once. To be extra secure, Linux requires you to provide your administrator password to install and run programs as root every single time. So I think that's a Good thing. Of course, it should have one for mine. Are you sure you want to do
0: this? (laughs) Yes, an extra, extra, extra confirmation step. We know Bill needs a little extra security. Yeah, it's like,
1: okay, Bill, have you drunk your coffee? Are you sure you want to do this? Because it's really going to mess up the system, and I'm going to go, yeah, just go ahead and do it. No, seriously, that's a wonderful step. I, I know sometimes it gets a little tedious, but if you think about it, that's a, that's really a great security feature because you just can't, you know, you have to look at it and say, "Yeah, do I really want to do that?" Sometimes I was like, "I don't know if I really want to install that program after all." So yeah. I can see both ways. It's um, they try to make it as convenient as possible but they also try to balance it with security issues.
0: Yes, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that you need to do as a Linux user is make sure that you're using the repositories or the repos, as they're often abbreviated, whenever you can to get applications and updates and those kinds of things, as opposed to going and finding other sources that aren't as vetted as the repositories are. And, um, you know, different versions of Linux sometimes use the term root instead of superuser. And, Bill, the difference between root and superuser is basically that when you run something as a superuser, when you type in sudo, S U D O, for example, you're just temporarily elevating your privileges to the equivalent of a root user. Whereas running as root means you're permanently logged in as a root user until you log out, right? Yeah, I
1: think so. And there's a few of those distributions that um, they, both, they both have the security, but they uh, kind of access it differently. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, Ubuntu and a lot of its derivatives use the super user. Right. And then, like, Slackware and Arch, they use root. So you actually have to, uh, log in as root instead of superuser. I'm sure uh-huh. you can change it if you want, because you can do anything you want. But as a default, if I remember correctly, on Slackware, you have to log in as root. And, and the, the account that you normally use for yourself doesn't have uh, root privileges.
0: Okay. So, in order to do anything as root, you have to log out as a un uh, super user, user and then log back in as root.
1: Yeah. I guess you could um, bring up a terminal and and, and access and it that switch way.
0: The user. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh, that would require more effort than I'm willing to do. So,
0: mm, okay. I've never used Arch or Slackware. So, I'll uh, take your word for it. <laughs>
1: well, you know, now, if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'll hear about it. But that's what I remember from my Slackware time. And But that you could access your root, uh, but you had to open a terminal and all that stuff. Right, right. I kind of like the convenience of the way Ubuntu does it. But uh, sometimes I get tired of entering the password to install a program, even when it's coming from a repo. But then I think about it and say, well... Think about who's installing this.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. And the reason we're talking about superuser and root is in order to update the software on your computer, on your Linux computer, uh, you need to be superuser or root to actually install those programs, as you mentioned earlier on, Bill, and taking the time to make sure your Linux is up to date with patches is very important. And something that's really good about Linux is that the patch notes, the notes that come with the patches tell you what's being done. So everybody should take a few minutes to skim through those notes. uh, And there's a lot of great information about those notes. And the more you understand about what's going on with your computer, Uh, the more you can pay attention to security and be more secure.
1: Yeah, and something interesting that is direct conflict with another operating system we'll talk about is that you still have to give Linux permission to install the updates. You have to enter your password. Mm -hmm. There's a few of uh, these OSs that are out there that just install them. You can might postpone them for a little bit (laughs) but sooner or later they're going to install whether you like it or not and sometimes i'm either busy and don't have time for it or i want to let it sit there for a little bit and make sure that i really need that uh you know because and sometimes you can pick which updates you want to install
0: right right i've even heard of some operating systems that Without your permission, we'll download a complete upgrade and replace your operating system with the latest version. Without your permission.
1: <laughs> okay. Now there's I'm not few... going to mention
0: Windows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you said it first, so now it's open season. But, you know, there's a few other things that really are important. And the first one that I cannot stress enough, and we've stressed this every time we talk about security. Good passwords are important. Right. So please do not use ABC123, I am God, or anything like that, because the people are going to guess them. Try to use uh, a combination of letters, numbers, and symbols, because the better the password, the more secure your system is going to be. Yep. Another one is if you share the computer, set up a guest account. On your machine, so other people can't tinker with your settings or change security or install things without your permission. The reason for this is you don't want people digging through and changing, uh, firewall settings or chain or, uh, installing that update that you said I just don't want to install it right now you don't want them to be able to reboot your machine you know there's there's a lot of things that you can do and you can really lock down a guest account so always use those especially if you're going to be sharing your computer mm-hmm. uh, now Larry let's let's talk about how Linux is set up in contrast since you said Windows we'll use that as an g- example how is Linux set up to be more secure than, say, Windows? How is, I know, for example, Linux doesn't have uh, DLLs. Uh, it, it doesn't throw all these dynamic links into a library, and we've all had problems with that one time or another. Mm-hmm. But other than, you know, architectural ch- uh, differences, what else stands out to you as different?
0: Well, we've talked about some of them, like requiring absolutely every single time to put your password in as super user or as root to install software and uh, even to download from the repositories software, especially updates and things that will change the potentially the security of your system. And uh, some other things bottom line, though, um, is that Linux is designed with security in mind, and has been from day one. Uh, It's been designed as a multi-user system from day one, and with security in mind. And most of the Linux distributions that you can get today will have a system firewall installed. Many of them will have that turned on by default. Some will not, but it'll be installed or available in the repositories and you can install it and turn it on quite quickly and easily. And generally, uh, in the case of the uncomplicated firewall that Ubuntu uses, the default settings are adequate for most people. So it's just a matter of turning it on. Uh, Speaking of multiple user systems, Uh, Simply separating the user accounts from one another is a great way to ensure security. Every system and user file is marked with permissions, and you can see those permissions, and you can see what permissions are granted to which users and which groups of users for that file. There is no access to administrative facilities uh, from standard accounts without Giving a superuser password or a root password. Uh, software installation rejects software from untrusted sources, and you have to consciously make those sources trusted in order for the software to be used, downloaded, and installed. And almost all Linux distributions come with utilities that allow you to update your software automatically. Several features of the operating system help prevent software from modifying other parts of the running system. So systems are isolated from one another from a security perspective. And many, many, many other features that are too long to list. I've been actually listing some of them from a post on Security Basics that it will include a link to from the Fedora website.
1: Okay, so if I understand this correctly, you know, uh, Windows has such a lot of legacy stuff built into it. And since Linux was designed with multi-user from the very beginning instead of an afterthought, Mm -hmm. uh, someone kind of described Linux to me as it's kind of like a layered system. You have the kernel and then you have applications, and then you have the user space above it. Is that is that a good visualization of that?
0: Yeah, you know, I think in general, that's the way most operating systems are built. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, so do you think having to enter your password all the time is a help or a hinder to security?
0: Yeah, it's a help for security. It's certainly less convenient for the user. It would be great to be able to just open your computer and have it work and not ever have to enter a password, but we don't live in those times anymore. Security is a must and passwords, secure, long, complicated passwords are necessary these days. So although it's an inconvenience, it's a requirement and it helps with security, of course. And unfortunately, those two things are oftentimes diametrically opposed from one another security and convenience and if you are secure you're not going to have every level of convenience you may like and if your computer runs completely conveniently for you then you probably don't have adequate security
1: okay now we've been covering just some of the basics of linux but one of the things that we should just touch on however briefly is the browser security, because that's how most of us are accessing the internet for checking our email, our news. Um, One of the big things that when I was looking through my notes on this episode was there's a lot of data that's tracked via the browser. And now a big thing is the do not track thing.
0: Do you have an idea of how that Thing works?
1: Well, from what I understand, uh, we're going to use some examples here. Say you're using Internet Explorer or Chrome and you go to, and you don't have do not track on. Okay. And you go to Amazon and say you look at for some coffee, which I just recently did. They put cookies where they can follow you to different sites. So they're building a database of your browsing habits Uh, So you might go to Amazon to look for it. Then you might go to Starbucks website to see if you can get a better deal. And then you might go to eBay. And so each one of those keeps adding cookies to to see where you're going. Now, some only track you within their network. But it kind of creeps me out that, you know, you're you're looking for coffee and, hey, all of a sudden it says, I see you were looking for coffee. How about some coffee creamer too? Well, if I want a coffee creamer, I'd look for it right um so in that way they're trying to tie i would say just add-ons uh they they you know they're doing it for their own personal gain not necessarily for your privacy or security now i don't care if people know that i was ordering some mantra coffee you know right. i really don't care but You know, how much data is actually being transmitted, you know, you know, because they they know the time, the date, how long you looked at a page, you know, did you stay within their network? You know, it starts, you can take a lot of data and start kind of building a profile of the person who's doing the shopping.
0: Right. Exactly. And and many of the companies out there are doing this for marketing purposes. Of course, they want to see if you're interested in coffee, maybe they can sell you something else. But it makes you wonder if that technology exists, can it be used for nefarious purposes, perhaps by three-letter agencies of a government somewhere? Not that they would ever, ever do that. No. <laughs> who's, who's ever heard of that happening? I don't know. I'm not being
1: paranoid i'm just being hey you know i should be secure enough to look for coffee or or let's just take it one step further say you're reading a a news article you know you might run across something on terrorism or you might run across something on uh like both of us we we read about the data hacks uh, right. and 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 stuff you know if you start if they say well wow this this person's always reading about you know things that are you know data hacks or the latest uh bombings that happen, so maybe we need to watch this person more, and we could be totally innocent, but it just builds a profile of saying, Oh, why is he always looking at that? Why is he always doing that? You know your browser keeps a history of everything you've done unless you clear it, which you know." I think all our users are savvy enough to know how to do that, but it's still the fact that data is being used to kind of track you. So the do not track uh, is is important for that reason. Also, you can go into settings and there's a lot of security settings in different browsers and, and each one has d- different terminology for it. But w- what you want to do is if you're concerned about you know your privacy and I always consider privacy and security as one, mm-hmm. then you're going to want to say, hey, look, stop tracking me. I don't want your cookies. I can mm-hmm. order my own coffee and if I want creamer, I can order it. Type of thing. So that moves me on to uh, something that really, really made me go, hmm. I was looking at the differences in security between Linux and Windows 10, and I've included some links in our show notes that you guys should really take a look at. And basically, it's talking about how much data Windows 10 collects. And you can't entirely shut it off.
0: Well, you know, that's that's really important because we've been talking about how much information a browser can send back to wherever it's sending it. And that applies to any operating system. But it sounds from what you're saying that Windows takes it a step further. I know in Linux, sometimes you'll get a, a request, especially during the installation phase of, do you want to send information back to Canonical or Fedora or whatever distribution you're using? Uh, and what they're talking about there is information to help the development of the operating system. But sounds like w- the folks at Microsoft are collecting more information than that.
1: Let me just give you an example because I okay. like examples. It tracks how many times you've plugged a USB into your machine, what type of USB it was. It also can tell... According to the license agreement, you can only have 12 USB devices plugged into your computer at one time. That's crazy. I've never had more than three. But it's still, it's able to see that you've plugged the USB into your computer.
0: It well, uh, well, let's let's see. Hang on a second. So, you may have a USB mouse, a USB keyboard, uh, USB display, joystick. Uh, yeah, joystick. You may have a USB, um, well, just a USB stick for for you know, storing stuff and maybe a USB external hard drive. How many is that? That's five or six already.
1: Yeah. And then if you got a printer, yeah, I see. Oh
0: yeah. Printer. Yeah.
1: And does it count the hub? So some people use a USB hub because they have a scanner they have a camera.
0: And does the hub count as one device or is each device on your five port hub five, you know, is that five or is that one? I don't yeah. know.
1: Well, one of the differences that we've got to understand is Linux is pretty much, you can do whatever you want within the license agreements. Okay. If you make changes to make it better, you have to share it. Mm-hmm. But Windows most people are under the conception, this is my Windows. And no, it's not. your license. licensed. They are allowing you to use the software. And if you really look, there's the restrictions. You can only have, you know, there's uh, virtualization restrictions. There's restrictions if you can transfer it. You know, I'll give you an example. If I wanted to transfer uh, this my copy of Linux to Larry, I could say, here you go, Larry. Have a nice day and that's totally okay or Larry can give me his or whatever but you can't legally do that with Windows you have to go through jump through hoops so they're really telling you yes you can use your software we make things easy but on Windows 10 you have to give us your diagnostic data Um, you have to uh, agree to these terms and conditions and most people think well it come with my machine, so it's mine. No, if you read the license agreement, it doesn't say that. It says it's licensed. So that's a big difference. So we've included links in our show notes to both the license agreements. Uh, actually, we included three. We included one for the Linux kernel. We included one for Ubuntu and one for Windows 10. So you can look and see that there Diametrically opposed. So something to keep in mind. Now, here's my question: How much data does Microsoft get from you, and what are they doing with it? Where are they storing it? Uh, is they say, and you know, Microsoft would never lie, um, that it doesn't have personal, personally uh, identifiable information how do i know that i can't see what you're getting it's not transparent so i don't know what they um are getting from my machine and also when you installed windows 10 it actually s- says that there are some programs that eh, we you know it's not compatible or and and they actually uninstall it or disable it so, you know, if you have an old software program that you've been using for 10 years and you're perfectly happy with it, Windows 10 might not like it and might not let you run it. So, there's a lot of, you're giving up a lot of your freedom and I think, and privacy and security, but you own Linux. You've got to understand, we've got to be smart about our computers and our privacy and our security. And, here's another one who is seeing this data i i know you might say well you sound paranoid bill no i'm not paranoid here's some examples of some legitimate things that you just don't want people to know about letters to your employer to your family pictures of your kids financial records i mean we're not even we're not even talking any any you know anything nefarious we're just talking just day to day i mean i i keep things on my Linux computer, like the bills I've paid, outstanding debts, uh, correspondence to for you know, jobs, my resume. That's stuff that I'd rather not just have anybody have access to it. But I don't know how much is being seen. That kind of wigs me out a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Larry? Am I being paranoid? And if you say yes, I'm just going to get a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I think... It's justified being a little bit paranoid these days. Uh, So I don't know whether you're being paranoid or just cautious. Uh, I think we all need to be super vigilant of what's going on, especially with our electronic devices, not just our computers, but this applies to our telephones. It applies to that Amazon Echo that you may have. It can apply to anything that is electronic, even if you have a, a an internet connected light bulb that you can control from your phone. You've got to watch out for that thing as well. So yeah, maybe we're all paranoid these days, but I think to some degree, it's a bit justified, especially with what you hear in the news.
1: Well, you know, uh, you've, you've got to be informed about your technology. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be an expert, but you know, here's another example. And we, we already disgusted that you have to give linux permission to install updates yeah not so on the windows 10 you can postpone the updates until it just doesn't let you do it anymore and it has to install it and it does and a lot of times what it tells you is installing it sounds like performance improvements well what does that mean you know we're updating this feature for you well are you adding something to the feature I don't know about that I've been using? I mean, I like to have information about what's running on my machine. And I find it irritating uh, where I've postponed an update on Windows and I'm in the middle of a letter and it
0: reboots. Hmm, yeah, exactly. That drives me insane. Sounds like I think if I were to run Windows, what would drive me insane from what I've heard is the fact that When you're given an update or when an update is released, uh, sometimes it's not going to let you not accept an update. That's one thing with Linux. If you know that you have version 2 of something and the updates to version 3 breaks something else, you don't have to install the update to version 3 until you have a solution for that issue. And Linux lets you do that, whereas from what I've heard, Windows, I don't know about the Mac, but Windows will force those kind of updates on you, even those where they're describing it as performance improvements or things like that, where you don't know what it is they're installing really, because it's not really giving you any sort of details. And for the most part, with Linux updates and The applications that run in Linux, you can get information about the updates before you install them, and then you can decide whether or not you want to install them. If they're security updates, generally speaking, you want those, but if they're feature improvements, Maybe those feature improvements will break something else, and you're not ready for that yet. Yeah,
1: and, you know, and, and one of the strengths I would say in Linux compared to other operating systems, you have a lot more people looking at the code, you have a lot more people vetting the software. And I've seen patches come out within hours of a uh, vulnerability. Uh, and they'll and it tells you, hey, this is the patch. This we just found it. I mean, they're incredibly, incredibly uh, fast on getting those patches out. Uh, if they see that there's a problem, there's still legacy problems that they've known about in uh, Windows. Unfortunately, I have to keep saying that word. Uh, that they just. Hope that no one finds. They know they're there, and then someone finds it, and then they patch it. Well, that doesn't make me feel so, uh, safe, and uh, it shouldn't anybody else. If you know there's a problem, you should patch it. But sometimes they don't patch it because, well, they they have other concerns or other features they want to do. Why well, I say security and privacy should be paramount, but that's just me, and you can disagree with me on 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 those points. Um, I think basically what it boils down to is when you start comparing Linux against other operating systems, you're going to see that Linux is much more security conscious than others. And that has really come home to me lately is... As most of you know, I have Windows installed on my computer because I need it for work. And I also play some games. And just those just don't run or I just don't, I'm too lazy to make them run on Linux. So I have actually switched where I am about 95% of the time in Linux and only about 5% in Windows just because I only use Windows for what I absolutely have to. I do not browse using windows anymore and the reason for that is i had windows 10 and i started looking around after reading these articles and i started digging through the menus and there's a lot of stuff turned on that i didn't know about and you have to uncheck it. they like to opt you in and then you have to opt out mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. i prefer to have a choice what i opt in to i'd rather not have to opt out of all these i mean just look um, one of the features in in Windows, and I'm sure it's very nice. I've never used it. I well, let me rephrase it. I tried it a couple times. Was the uh what is what is that uh, virtual assistant Cortana, Cortana, whatever her name is.
0: Oh, Cortana.
1: Cortana, yeah. that's it. Yeah, not a Halo person apparently. <laughs> um, and uh, Cortana's uh, has to connect to the internet and and servers to. Uh, get information and that's a lot of data that it's talking and sharing with servers so when you're using Cortana it you know it's talking to Microsoft servers because it's their product to get what you want done is it retaining the data you know one of the things that I always wonder about is what where the servers are located uh, what's your data retention policies How are you securing that data? Because you can take a lot of data and start making some educated guesses, guesses about people and about what they want. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm just, I'm picking on Microsoft, but Google does it too. And we all use Google service. We use Google services here for going links to, for our show notes. It's, but you know, you just kind of wonder how the data is secured and i know some people saying look you know i i just want convenience that's fine convenience is a great thing but when you look at convenience you also got to balance it with security i think that's what we're kind of saying and if you right. have using linux i think you'll 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 realize that you're much more secure there's nothing that's going to be 100% i will say that right up front whether you're on osx uh freebsd or linux it's only as secure as they can make it at the time, uh, and also, you know, what Larry always likes to say is good computing practices.
0: Yep, exactly. And you know, when you're when you're talking about collection of data, uh, we talked to earlier about the fact that artificial intelligence seems to be not only a buzzword, but the direction that the industry is going in. Yeah. And what makes artificial intelligence work is the data that's out there, that's available. Uh, and if it's marketing artificial intelligence, they're looking at your buying behavior. If it's artificial intelligence that's helping you to um, use your device with voice activation or provide you voice feedback, it needs access to microphones and speakers and what's going on in order for it to be able to respond to your voice. It needs to be listening and it all comes down to, do you trust the manufacturer of that device or the vendor of that software? And are you going to trust them that they are acquiring the data that they need only to do the function that they're providing you? And that data that they're collecting, are they keeping it secure? So it all comes down to trust. And whether you trust them or not, by using Linux and open source software that provides you with control, not only security, but with the control to be able to see what that security is, what it's doing, how it's working, You are in a much better place to trust, but verify, to quote a U.S. president. Um, Yeah, and I think that's really our point here, is that nothing is absolutely secure. But when you're using a system like Linux, as opposed to a lockdown proprietary system like Windows or even OS X or Mac OS, as they're converting the name to, you have the ability to verify that trust or at least to determine how much of the information uh, is being collected. Is it being stored securely? And, uh, you know, you can then make an intelligent choice as to whether or not you want to use that service. And again, it's a, it's a balance between convenience and security, and you can't have both together. Pick one.
1: Well, I think what it boils down to, I mean, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm bashing Windows or any other. I just want our listeners to be as informed, and most of them are a lot smarter than me. So if this is old news to them, I'm sorry. But the smartest person in technology sometimes, well, I would say almost always, has to be you
0: yes absolutely there's
1: there's uh, a, another feature that um that you mentioned to me about uh encrypting the home folder is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, does, how does that affect security is that is that a, that seems to be a pretty good idea
0: yeah absolutely and and when you install Linux, many of the modern Linux distributions give you the option of encrypting the entire hard drive at the time you install the operating system or encrypting just your home directory or some segment of the hard drive. And to answer your question, Bill, what that does is it does not protect you from intrusions while you're using the system. It doesn't protect you from somebody sitting down at your computer Uh, figuring out your password or you've left it unlocked and and they just sit down and using your computer. If, if they have access and you've already entered your password to log in, then all bets are off. However, if your computer is off or even if it's on and you have logged out as your normal everyday user, you've logged out and it's sitting there uh, ready for you to log in, the information on your hard drive or in whatever encrypted partition or folder you've got is inaccessible until you've fed the computer your credentials, your your username and password. And once that happens, it unencrypts the drive so that you can actually use the information that's on there. But while it's in that logged out state or while it's off, if somebody were to try, if if somebody were to pull out your hard drive and connect it to another computer, the encryption makes that information that's on that hard drive inaccessible to someone without the encryption key. And the encryption key is not your password, but something that's generated that you actually provide the encryption software with that key by entering your password so if you were to take your computer hard drive out and connect it to another computer you couldn't simply open up a folder for example in the file manager and give it your password from the computer you took the hard drive from and expect to open it it doesn't work that way it's truly a key an encrypted key that Keeps your information safe by ensuring that it's not accessible to somebody who hasn't logged into the system that the hard drive, the encrypted hard drive, is part of.
1: So basically, what you're saying, if a, you know, we've heard of laptops being stolen that had sensitive data. And if and so someone steals the laptop, unless they know your password, they can't get access to your sensitive data, and it could be just something as uh, as benign as. It's company secret, it's company uh, mailing lists, you know, uh, sales, uh, strategies, uh, financial records. Well, those aren't benign, but you see where I'm going with this. So they, yep. even if they said, well, pull the drive, they still can't get access to it. Uh, well, not easily. I'm sure there's a way. Where there's a will, there's always a way, but you're not going to make it easy for them is what you're trying to say.
0: Exactly right. And depending on the encryption, the more secure the encryption, the deeper the encryption. Yeah, there's always a way to crack encryption. But if it's going to take you 10,000 years to get there, chances are, it's not going to happen.
1: They're just going to wipe the drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Okay. So Larry, what uh, I know that you've been, you've been working on an article. You want to tell us what you're working on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. and And we'll use this as a way to wrap up our show today. So I haven't completed the article yet. Maybe by the time we publish this episode, it'll be complete. If not, it will be shortly afterwards. But I wanted to finish up here with some specific guidelines, some specific suggestions for our users on security. And this applies because we're talking about today's security. So we're going to talk about some things you can do with today's technology to make your system secure. And I'm going to compare what you need to do in Linux and compare it with some recommendations that a Windows expert has provided. And we'll provide a link to all of these things in the show notes, of course. And first of all, for basic Linux security guides, um, Canonical on their website lists fewer than 30 Linux viruses and worms that are uh, out there today. And one of the antivirus software uh, websites, Sophos, for example, cites this canonical article and says they're a little bit shy on a few. But let's say it's even as many as 50 Linux viruses and worms that are out there. Uh, Compare that with about 140,000 viruses for Windows. So, you know, (laughs) you're protected a little bit. In using Linux, because there are fewer attacks out there. And let's face it, most, if not all, of those Linux viruses and worms that have been developed have already been patched. So if you're running a modern Linux distribution, you're protected already. So, security guidelines first, if you dual boot with Windows, run Windows in a virtual machine, or use Wine to run Windows programs or even simply share files with your Windows-using friends, you need to install an antivirus scanner to scan those files for viruses. Not that they're going to infect your Linux machine, but so that if you pass those files on to others through email or through file sharing or other methodologies, that you're not passing on those viruses. That's the case for installing antivirus on Linux. And in fact, on the canonical site, they say, don't install antivirus on Linux, on Ubuntu. You don't need it unless you're doing one of these things. So that's point number one. Point number two, your Linux distribution comes with a software firewall. And if it doesn't, if it's not already installed, it's in the repositories. So if it's not installed, install it. If it's installed, make sure it's enabled. Some Linux distributions enable a firewall by default and some don't. Some install it and let you decide whether you want to turn it on or not. But the recommendation from a security perspective is use a firewall, a software firewall, and turn it on. Point number three, keep your system updated. Updates on Linux are automatic on most distributions, so let them run as soon as they're available. Linux distributions provide security updates as soon as they're available, as opposed to other operating systems that wait until the specific time of the month when they release all of their patches. So you're more secure on Linux simply because you get the updates without any delay. Number four, use strong passwords. On everything. And use a secure password manager to store those because if they are good passwords, typically they're a little complex and sometimes you wouldn't be able to remember them even if you tried. And since we're recommending that you use a different password for each individual password you need, you're not repeating any passwords. You're going to have sometimes hundreds of passwords that you would need to remember. So use a secure password manager to store them. Number five, make backups regularly. Number six, install only from trusted sources, whether that's a Linux distribution, whether that's open source software, or whether that's proprietary software that you're installing on your Linux machine. Make sure you're installing it from trusted sources. And on Linux, that generally means the repositories or trusted PPAs or trusted websites, that perhaps don't provide software into the repositories and require that you download from their website. Make sure you're going to the right place. Number seven, use security-related plugins for your browser that protect your data, your credentials, and your privacy. We talked about browsers and how much data they collect. You can prevent some of that with the appropriate plugins, whether you're using Chrome or Firefox or something else. There are plugins search through the official sources for plugins for your browser and you'll find them whether that's vpn or whether that's uh, ad blocking software use it and number eight on our list of recommendations for linux is use common sense the biggest security threat is generally found between the keyboard and the chair that means you the human element (laughs) is often the weakest link when it comes to security whether that's with linux or whether that's with other operating systems and if you look through those eight suggestions they apply to any operating system let's face it you want to install software from trusted sources you want to enable a firewall you want to make sure that if you're running windows programs or receiving files from Windows using people, you scan them for viruses, you wanna make backups on a regular basis, and you want to get system updates. So use common sense, that's really what we've been talking about this whole episode. And let me pause here before I go into how this compares with what's recommended for security on Windows. What do you think, Bill?
1: Well, I'm good for the first seven, but I'm in trouble for the eighth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Uh, do the best you can.
1: <laughs> well, in my case, I'm I'm the Muppet, so I'm gonna do stuff. Yeah, common sense. Hey, this is this is install this program. No, seriously, those are pretty much all common sense. I mean, none of them are really rocket science. And uh, but we can't stress it enough that though if you follow those eight uh suggestions or guidelines then you're already ahead of the game
0: yeah you're already ahead of what most people do cuz most people don't do all of those things uh most people don't do most of those things so <laughs> <laughs> if if you're doing anywhere near all of them you're as as you said bill you're well ahead of the pack
1: oh yeah so yeah I, but then again Anybody that uses Linux, I think, are probably a little more tech-savvy than most, and you can call that a, a little bit of an elitist uh, boast. But I've seen some of the discussions in our forums, and from what I can see, uh, our users that listen to the podcast are pretty much on top of things. So,
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think you have to be all that tech-savvy to follow these these guidelines and in fact if you're interested in using linux as opposed to windows your interest indicates that you you have some curiosity and you're at least aware of the fact that you need to be concerned about how your operating system works and how the software that runs on that operating system work so you're already ahead of the game whether you're tech savvy or not you are more savvy than the average computer user out there these days
1: yeah so you know Uh, my the close my comments on this is that your basic guideline is to use common sense and to just you know if you're interested and there's not some people are not going to be interested in learning about how things work and that's okay too you know some people will Say I'm happy with Windows. I'm happy with Mac OS. I'm happy with whatever, and if I, and if they're okay with it, that's great. But for for those of us who want to know a little bit more about what's going on and and how our systems work, and you know we we care a little bit more about how our information is being used and and our security then. I, I think that uh, this these are pretty easy to follow.
0: Yep, I would agree with that. So let's move on now to Windows operating system security recommendations. Now, Do we
1: have enough time for all that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, that's,
0: that's a critical point right there. Um, it takes a while to think about this stuff, but we'll try to keep it brief. In fact, I haven't used Windows in years. And I know you use Windows and you're using it less and less. So let's not talk about this from our perspective. Let's get the advice of Mike Smith. Mike has provided an ultimate Windows security protection guide. He's an independent IT consultant with MHS Consulting. uh, And he's been an IT professional for the past 30 years. Mike hosts a podcast where he often discusses issues that he and his colleagues have had in supporting mostly Windows computers and how those issues have been solved. Mike's podcast is The Mike Tech Show, and in episode 595, which we'll link to in the show notes, he provides this list of recommendations for being secure on Windows, from his 30 years of experience. Consider these recommendations as requirements for Windows in addition to the eight recommendations that we've provided for Linux. So in addition to doing everything that we've said you need to do for Linux, you need these things. Mike recommends this list of programs that you need to run to help prevent malware infections. So think about that for a second. In addition to the common sense recommendations that we just made, Mike's recommending that you run these programs on a regular basis. Bitdefender, and there's a free version of Bitdefender. Malwarebytes Anti-Malware Premium. Yes, some of these programs you have to pay for. Malwarebytes Anti-Exploit. Malwarebytes Anti-Ransomware. Yes, Malwarebytes is a sponsor of his show, but he doesn't just recommend them because they're a sponsor. He uses them. Crypto prevent, Web of Trust. This is a browser safety measure that you can use on any browser, on any operating system, but he recommends it specifically for Windows. Adblock Plus. Unchecky. Unchecky is a program that, Solves that problem that you were mentioning earlier, Bill, where software, when you go to the Adobe site, for example, and you download something, Adobe Flash, it has a bunch of optional programs that it's going to install and they're checked by default. What Unchecky does is it unchecks all of that stuff that is checked by default automatically for you so you don't end up with surprises. Okay. So that's the basic stuff that he says. Now, in addition to all those programs, he recommends that you run these programs every single week as maintenance. So first one, Windows Repair Toolbox. Then JRT, Junkware Removal Tool. Adware Cleaner, ADW Cleaner. Rogue killer and CC cleaner. And if that wasn't enough, he recommends running these two programs monthly, patch my PC and driver max. So Bill, it sounds like there's a lot of maintenance to do on a monthly and weekly basis. In addition to running programs to keep your system clean in addition to the basic things you need to do with any operating system including linux so it's a lot more work
1: i think i'll just keep linux yeah i'll just keep my ubuntu long-term support you know just that is just too much work and uh, i just want to point out that's what one two three four five six seven eight eight extra programs that runs nah that's all right
0: yeah, yeah. And and that's just the regular ones. There are one, two, three, four, five additional programs for weekly maintenance and two for monthly maintenance. So wow.
1: <laughs> wow. And these yeah. are, and these aren't from Microsoft. These are just third parties, which you know oh, makes of course. makes me go, wait a minute, well, how how do I know about these people? I mean, do I know, you know, what what they're doing with my stuff, either. <laughs> you know. So, I know I sound paranoid, but I like to know who has their fingers in my system.
0: Right, absolutely. So, aren't you glad you got that free Windows 10 upgrade, and now you've got to buy all this proprietary software to keep that free operating system operational and uninfected? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: can can please may I have some my Linux back? <laughs>
0: You can have it anytime you want for free. Hey,
1: for free? All right. <laughs> yes. All right. Special price. So I think that we've pretty much beat this horse, Dan. <laughs> yes,
0: we have. Yes, we have.
1: <laughs> and uh, just a disclaimer, we're not against Windows or Mac OS or Linux. This is just to give you an idea of what's involved. It's not just whether you're running Linux or or Windows you still have to do your due diligence. And yes. sometimes the due diligence is a lot less on Linux. Yes, exactly.
0: That's the point is you you need to do some things to keep yourself secure on Linux, but it's a heck of a lot less than what you have to do on other operating systems. We've only concerned ourselves today with Windows as the alternative operating system. The same thing applies to OS 10, although to a lesser degree, but... Even Apple is recommending that you run antivirus software and anti-malware software these days. So, hey, uh, whether you choose to run it on Linux or not is up to you. But if you're doing anything cross-platform with Windows or OS 10, we recommend that you at least install it to scan the files that you're sharing with other folks and let's face it, if you're getting files from the Internet that aren't specifically Linux files, chances are they've been developed with Windows or with OS X, and you're probably wanting to scan those anyway. So you may not need antivirus, any malware software on Linux to fend off Linux infections, but you do need it in order to protect your other operating system using friends.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, a good way to end this episode so they don't think that uh, I'm a paranoid uh, schizophrenic. So what's our next episode?
0: (laughs) Okay, on our regular schedule, we alternate between user experience episodes like this one and listener feedback episodes. So our next one will be a listener feedback episode. We've already gotten some feedback that we're including and we'll get more, I know, between now and the uh, the release of our next episode. So until then, keep those emails and voice files coming in for our feedback episode. And go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe we are the website for computer users who just want to use linux to get things done
1: and if you like you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our going linux podcast google plus community
0: until next time
1: thanks for listening 73